Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype Podcast. The NBA news cycle was lit to start the week like Times Square on New Year's Eve, folks. We've got a lot to get into on today's episode, and that's why I have our Hoops Hype salary cap expert and my co-host, Yossi Goslin, joining me in studio to discuss the latest rumblings ahead of the NBA trade deadline, including Miles Turner, Jeremy Grant, and more. Uh, Yossi, I, I think we should start off the bat with arguably uh, the biggest name in the news uh, recently, Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. Um, his stress reaction injury to his foot uh, could have a, a pretty sizable impact on the trade market. Um, you know, right now in talking with executives, there's two different feelings right now. A team is either going to try and buy a little lower on Turner than Indiana's original asking price, uh, which I recently reported was two first-round picks or one first-round pick and a promising young player, or teams are going to back off now uh, that were in the mix previously due to his injury. And you'll see one of the reasons for that could be, as one executive told me, the playoff race is tight in both conferences. If a guy is going to be out for a month, you could find yourself in the playoff tournament. Now, that's talking about not only if you acquire an injured player, but if a guy that is on that executive's current team or another uh, player in such a situation gets hurt. So to me right now, I'm very curious to see how the Miles Turner trade market unfolds. I do think some teams that were on the border of being a, a play-in team or a playoff team are going to look elsewhere right now because uh, that injury could take him out past the uh, trade deadline and longer, possibly. We don't know yet. He's going to be reevaluated in a couple of weeks to have a better sense of that. And it's going to cause more teams to have to do more background work on it. Yeah. Trading for Miles Turner has just gotten a lot riskier for interested teams and this thing, this injury could keep him with the Pacers past the trade deadline. Uh, stress reaction, going to keep him off the floor for a while. Uh, sometimes you can trade for an injured player, but I don't think this might be the kind of injury most teams want to take a chance on right now, uh, especially if you're trying to make the playoffs this year. As you mentioned, lots of teams are trying to compete. There's a lot of, a lot of parity this year more than usual. Um, and you mentioned... Some teams could ask for a discount on Turner because of his injury, but I I don't think that makes too much sense for Indiana to take less than what they want. But on the other hand, now could be a good time for a team who really wants him to step up and acquire him because it seems like some other suitors are going to back off now. So uh, definitely be interested in seeing what happens. But I also wonder if maybe this could make some other teams step up their offers for some other centers or just 
look elsewhere other than Turner. There's guys that I would keep an eye on potentially like Christian Wood or Yusuf Nurkic. And of course, DeMontis Sabonis. You know, it's interesting you bring up DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, a lot of teams before this Turner injury felt that, um, you know, he was going to be harder of the two to obtain in the trade. Now, most executives believe Karis LeVert is the guy most likely to be traded in Indiana following the Miles Turner injury news. Um, however, that doesn't mean teams are holding out hope for DeMontis Sabonis like Sacramento. Uh, as the athletic Sam Amick recently mentioned on their podcast. And, you know, it, it seems certainly the Kings are star hunting, whether it's for an all-star like Sabonis. They've certainly been mentioned in the Ben Simmons talks. Uh, you know, coming into the year, there was hope in Sacramento that they would break that playoff drought. And thus far, it has certainly not panned out that way even after making the coaching change from Luke Walton to Alvin Gentry. Um, I think at some point they're going to have to make a move to to shake things up. And it'll be interesting to see if they went for a guy like Sabonis, uh, who could be in that package, maybe a guy like a Harrison Barnes, for example, who they've been resistant to trading, uh, especially last season when it sounded like they had some good offers on the table for him. So Sabonis still seems kind of unlikely to be moved. It seems like Indiana is still pretty attached to him. And a lot of the recent reporting like yours, yourself, that Miles Turner is the the center they prefer to trade. But I still think the bonus can be had if someone really came in with a very aggressive offer for him. Um, And so Sam Amick on his podcast said that he would be stunned if Sacramento didn't make a big trade. And I agree. And you bring up the playoff drought. I don't know. I feel like they might do something a little crazy to help drive them because of their drive towards making the playoffs. Um, you know, they don't want to be on the I don't think they want to be on the wrong side of the history books because if they miss the playoffs this season, they'll officially have the longest postseason drought in NBA history. Right now, they're tied with the Clippers who missed it from uh, 1976 to 1991. That was 15 straight seasons. So they're you know, it's not looking too good for them right now. Would they offer, you know, something I think about, what's an aggressive offer? Would they offer something like uh, Rashawn Holmes and two first-round picks with very low protection for a guy like Sabonis? That could be the type of package that gets Indiana's attention. So, def- we'll see. How, like, you know, and, and those could be pretty good picks, you know, betting against the Kings haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. Uh, you know, if you're going to trade for any picks, those could be the ones. Yeah, and I mean, you know, coming into the trade deadline, a lot of people thought Miles Turner would be uh, potentially one of the biggest names getting moved. And now uh, one executive I spoke to recently said that, you know, Jeremy Grant might be the most interesting name on the market besides Ben Simmons at this point. And, you know, that executive told me he thinks uh, a first round pick and a good young player could be enough to land Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons. But uh, the prevailing sense from multiple executives I've spoken to is Grant could probably garner the equivalent of two first round picks and an expiring type of contract. Um, or like that other executive mentioned, uh, a first round pick and a really nice young player with an expiring contract to offset his salary. Um, you know, I, I just I, I got a kick out of uh, a third executive I spoke to about Jeremy Grant. He said. I think something like two firsts will get it done for Grant. 
the Pistons stink and he doesn't fit their timeline. They signed him in free agency and a rebuild and turning him into two first round picks would be a win for Detroit. I agree. I certainly don't think uh, Jeremy fits their timeline. It's been interesting to see how he wanted to leave a playoff team like Denver to have a bigger role here. Now he got that role, show what he can do. I'm curious if there's a happy medium for Jeremy Grant out there where he can go to a team and be in a a good enough role that keeps him happy. You know, I, I don't think, for example, that type of role would be in Chicago as the fourth option there, um, you know, even if they were able to get something done. So I, I wonder how that's going to affect the market because Jeremy Grant um, has some extension leverage coming up and um, it's going to come at a hefty price at, at that, but he potentially could have a little bit of a say, at least in where he could go. We spoke a good amount about potential Jeremy Grant destinations last week. And you bring up how you brought up a lot of the different types of uh, compensation that the Pistons could get or are seeking, uh, whether it's like a combination of first round picks or like one pick and a young player. And today, Jake Fisher from Bleach Report reported that the Wizards are considered a favorite to trade for him. Which is interesting because they can do a combination of all those different type of packages you mentioned. Uh, so like one framework he adds, it could consist of one of Denny Advia or Ruby Hachimura and as uh, the assets and Montrez Harrell a salary filler. Personally, not a big fan of the possibility of Jeremy Grant to the Wizards. There's a lot of overlap there with Kyle Kuzma. I guess you could pair them together. You get a nice, very lengthy, versatile front court, but I'm just not seeing how much better the team gets with him. There's also a little bit of luxury tax concerns going forward. And I mentioned it last week, any team that trades for Jeremy Grant, they got to they gotta pay him. Uh, he wants that four-year, $112 million extension he's eligible for. Um, you know, so if the Wizards are going to trade for a guy like Jeremy Grant, they probably want to add a little more uh, salary to stay below the tax this year. And they're going to have some, they would have some tax issues next year, potentially, uh, assuming they re-sign Beal. Uh, to add Grant to that mix, it could make things really complicating, uh, complicated, putting the rest of the roster together. So, you know, for a team like Washington to take Grant, I think it makes sense if they could also get off of a guy like another long-term contract like Davies Bertans, because that way they're converting that long-term salary into Grant's. Maybe something like Bertans, Abdia, Trez, and a first-round pick. That starts to make a little more sense to me for a team like Washington. So definitely maybe a lot of the contenders that we spoke about, like Chicago, uh, Lakers, Phoenix, Utah, doesn't seem like they're, any of these teams might be uh, contenders to get Jeremy Grant. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how some of the teams that – have a lot more tradable salary, a lot more flexibility, like the Wizards, could be the team that ultimately gets Jeremy Grant. I mean, time will tell, you know, and, and you touched on uh, Jake's reporting. I also heard one of Detroit's offers for Ben Simmons was slightly different with the package being Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, and Josh Jackson straight up for Ben Simmons, which was naturally rejected. Uh, currently, Philadelphia doesn't view Detroit as a a trade partner for Simmons. Uh, among the teams still keeping tabs on Ben Simmons in the trade market 
are the Sacramento Kings, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Portland Trailblazers, Toronto Raptors, and Indiana Pacers. Um, and speaking on the Wizards, as, as you had touched on uh, shortly ago, Yossi, Aaron Holiday is available, and, and multiple teams have checked in on his price tag with Washington uh, league sources say. So another name to keep an eye on on the trade market there. And, you know, uh, Yossi, we, we didn't get a chance to touch on a guy that actually got traded uh, thus far. We, we touched on him before the season as a guy that could get moved, and uh, he ended up getting moved. And, and I'm referring to Cam Reddish, uh, formerly of the Atlanta Hawks, going to the New York Knicks. You know, the Knicks traded for Cam Reddish in a in a swing for upside here. You know, some executives around the league questioned trading for Reddish due to his inconsistency uh, with his shooting. But if anyone can improve his work ethic and his consistency, it's Tom Thibodeau. And and that's what the Knicks are banking on here. Um, you know, a couple of executives I spoke to recently for their thoughts on it said uh, one executive told me, Cam's still young and he's shown defensive promise when they were hurt and he got to play in Atlanta. He showed what he can do. It's hard to find two-way wings. With Reggie Bullock gone, they didn't replace him with a two-way wing. Remember, Miles Miles Bridges, excuse me, started coming into his own in the middle of his third year and and he's really taken off in, in the fourth year. Sometimes teams don't have patience to wait. And plus the pick they gave up is protected. I thought that was a pretty fair assessment. And um, another executive called it a, a low-risk move. Cam's talented. And he said, I'm shocked the Knicks were able to get off of Kevin Knox. Um, I'm curious to see how that pairing is going to look with uh, Reddish and, and R.J. Barrett. But uh, time's going to tell. So this probably the most significant trade yet of the season, mainly because Cam Reddish probably the best player traded so far, but uh, also still very yet another inconsequential trade in the grand scheme of things, as well as some of the other trades that's been going on Uh, for Atlanta. Reddish's value probably wasn't going to get that much higher than it is now. He had a marginal, he had a marginalized role with them and a very deep team with, they were very deep with wings and, uh, you know, he couldn't start when DeAndre Hunter got injured and didn't really take advantage of the opportunity. So I understand why they wanted to cut their losses now and move on. Apparently, he also uh, was reported he wanted to leave as well. So, um, you know, the value, I don't think it's it's too terrible. It's just, I guess the only, like, thing that kind of, that uh, about it, the only, like, negative thing about it was that Reddish was the selection that they got in addition to the uh, Luca Trey trade. So, you know, now they don't have that asset anymore. But, you know, they got that Hornets pick. Might not convey for a while. Even has a decent possibility. Becomes two seconds, but time will tell. Um, for the Knicks, very, very low risk trade for a guy who still has a lot of upside. I think he'll, be a, he'll definitely be a solid role player. Maybe he could be a decent starter. Um, and, you know, regardless of those outcomes, I still think that's good considering that uh, a, a, a late first round picks all that they really gave up. So the uh, only thing is I'm not too sure where, uh, you know, if the Knicks are fully healthy once they get Rose and Rose back and Kemba's, you know, consistently in every game. And 
I'm I just not sure exactly where Cam fits in the rotation because the Knicks were already 10 deep. But, you know, right now they are a little banged up. So he's got a good opportunity, turn some minutes and show Tibbs what he's got. So, yeah, I, I'm also very curious to see how he fits there. Well, he says he wants to be a star. No brighter stage to do that in MSG. So we'll see if it pans out for Cam Reddish. They're certainly going to give him every opportunity to try and succeed there. And, you know, it's interesting, like, you talk about Cam Reddish in a trade and one changing the scenery. Uh, Andre Patterson of the Cleveland Cavaliers formally makes a change of scenery and goes to the Portland Trailblazers to be an assistant GM there. Uh, some rival executives around the league believe Joe Cronin has a chance to keep the job as GM there in Portland after hiring Andre Patterson away from the Cavaliers. Uh, Patterson received a promotion to become an assistant GM by going to Portland. Uh, you'd ha- also have to believe Patterson felt confident in Cronin's chances of keeping the job to leave Cleveland where Colby Altman was just promoted and given an extension. So other promotions in Cleveland uh, could have potentially followed as well. You know, we've seen that before when a GM is promoted to a president and so on and so forth the ladder of uh, chain of command bumps up a little bit as well. Um, the other thing executives are keeping an eye on is how Cronin's moves will affect Damian Lillard. And one executive said to me, Portland only has a few more good years left with Lillard at a high level. You know, their best bet to turn it around is to get a high lottery pick and trade the pick. Another executive I thought brought up an interesting point. He said, if you trade C.J. McCollum for young players and draft picks, how would Lillard take that? And I, I agree with both assessments. If, if your thought is, you know, trying to maximize Damian Lillard's prime, I mean, this year certainly has been underwhelming and not what they expected after making the coaching change. But I, I don't know if a high lottery pick in this class is going to immediately make such an impact the way Evan Mobley did on the Cavaliers. The uh, the whole that that question, you know, what if they trade CJ for some young players and make that is really interesting as far as how Lillard would potentially take that. They're also in a position where they can bottom out and get a high lottery pick in this year's draft. How would Lillard feel? How would Lillard feel if you know they wanted if he wants them to trade the pick uh, for help and maybe they want to keep it instead? Um, you know, new front office. I'm just very interested in seeing what direction. They ultimately go. Um, not much else to add there. But we do have a trade. Uh, yesterday you reported that the Nuggets had some interest in Bryn Forbes. And looks like you reported that into existence. It became a trade. Uh, <laughs> so the Nuggets, they get Bryn Forbes. The the Celtics get Bull Bull and uh, PJ Dozier. And the Spurs get Juancho Hernan Gomez. So just like a Quick, you know, like recap what these teams accomplished. So Denver, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. I think they've had like four to five players that are going to be out for an extended period of time. And uh, they get a little healthier. They turn two players that uh, might not return this season into a healthy one in Bryn Forbes. They needed a sharpshooter and they got one of the most inexpensive ones. He's shooting 42% from three, uh, earning four and a half million. So that's that's a big upgrade, just getting healthier, getting a shooter. 
They open up a roster spot also, which could help in a future move. And, you know, seeing how they're trying to get healthier, I would keep an eye on them. Maybe they could move. Uh, maybe they want to move Vladko uh, Kankar, seeing uh, just, you know, try to maybe get off him, get another uh, healthy player in there. Uh, Boston to save some money. They reduce their tax bill, but it looks like they're going to finally get below the tax. They could get, they're just about 2.8 million below, I mean, above it. And they're, they're effectively much closer than that because there's some uh, incentives for Jalen Brown that he's not, doesn't seem like he'll meet them, but they could get below the tax in their next trade. And they can also structure this deal where they generate a 7 million trade exception that they could throw onto their pile of other big trade exceptions. And the Spurs, they just get a second round pick for Forbes. I don't, it doesn't look like he was in the rotation that much recently. Uh, I wouldn't expect Juancho to be in the rotation much either. Uh, they could use him in a future trade before the deadline, but his salary cannot be aggregated. Well, I, I don't want to say I'm uh, LeVar Ball and spoken into existence. I mean, I heard it, but <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, it, it, it always cracks me up. It's like, you know, you, you got to express interest in a guy to get a guy. Sure yeah. enough, it happens. Um, you know, nice move for Denver to add shooting at a relatively uh, cheap cost. Uh, we'll see what Bryn Forbes' future in Denver could potentially be. Uh, personally, I like Bull Bull for the Celtics as a potential upside swing. I know he's hurt. I know he's got to get surgery. Why not? If you're if you're Boston right now, um, I would give it a shot. And uh, they also have P.J. Dozier's bird rights in case they want to do something with him for next season on a, on a low-risk deal. At the end of the day, you've got Brad Stevens shaking it up a little bit. I think they're certainly going to continue to be in the market more. Uh, you know, We've touched on previously how they had interest in Jeff Green and Aaron Neesmith was available. So I, I, I think when you look at Boston right now, you know, obviously getting off of Juancho Hernan Gomez for luxury tax purposes was really good for them. Um, you know, we'll see if uh, they make any other moves. I would certainly expect them to be active in the market. Um, but you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, given all the, the news so far, it's already going to be an interesting week. The Miles Turner news to me shifts the landscape of the trade market a little bit right now. Um, I think it makes Jeremy Grant more of a higher priority for teams and um, even those guys like Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis on Indy as well. Um, it's amazing how the market can shift just day to day, given an injury and and whatnot. And it, we're going to have plenty more to talk about in the uh, in the next couple of weeks coming up, leading towards the the trade deadline. Yossi. Yep, looking forward to it, Mike. Well, brother, thanks for joining me as always. I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches and executives, media members as well, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too, at Yossi Goslin. That's Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. You get some of the quickest salary cap and luxury tax related breakdowns, just like we saw earlier with the three-team trade between uh, Denver and uh, Boston as well as San Antonio. 
Folks, until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.